0: You're a wizard, Harry. It does not do to dwell on dreams
1: and forget to live. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even
0: put a stopper in death.
1: It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. At the last chapter of book one, it's kind of crazy to think about. It's been a journey. We're doing chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. And as you heard, uh, hopefully on our last episode, Elizabeth is going to be back. Hello. um, Dan's also back. (laughs) I'm here every week. I'm sorry for those of you who have disagreed with me so vehemently. It's been fun, though. (laughs) So, and thank you for all the comments and all the feedback uh, it's okay if you disagree with me or one of my guests. Uh, my guests disagree with me all the time. It's fine. <laughs> We're all still friends. It's all good. So uh, yeah, but we kind of have a big chapter, the last chapter of book one. It there's a lot going on in this one, obviously.
1: I mean, the last one ended with the ultimate cliffhanger, and yeah, then yeah. we start right away. Was it Snape?
0: It was not Snape.
1: It was Quirrell. It was Quirrell. And he's so shocked at that too, which I think part of the shock also is Coral is suddenly so calm and he stopped stuttering, which just makes me wonder. Like he you know how- had to stutter all year. Yeah, that is hard to maintain and not that slip act. up at all. Yeah, yes, and every single class, every single day, every single conversation with you have with other adults and stuff like that's so hard to do. So
0: can you imagine how? terrifying that would be though you're used to a certain personality all year
1: oh yes and then you
0: get into when you're already a high stakes situation that you know is life or death and suddenly you're confronting a man you thought you knew and it's like and thought was a coward and just switched on a dime yes that is terrifying
1: yeah I mean he could barely move because I think Coral barely needed to put the the ropes around him it was just it's you yeah it's me which how effortlessly Snape
0: but this is, this was the thing I was talking about in the last chapter with Harry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, you think you're going to rush in here and just bulldoze through everything and say that it, and then with just like a clap of his hands or a snap of his fingers, I forget which, he has Harry completely bound in like ropes already. Yeah,
1: it's like, what, what were you planning Where was doing? your plan
0: here? Exactly.
1: <laughs> it was just you're gonna be outmatched. Like, I, I see you. That's bad. Stop it. I caught you. No, it's no, like, it's what exactly was wizard. your plan here?
0: You know? Um,
1: and if you're trying to yeah. steal a stone, clearly you're not going to be carried about the safety of a time. No, no.
0: <laughs> um, luckily for Harry, Dumbledore did establish the last of the trials, yes. which is darn near unbeatable.
1: Yes, the most fascinating out of them, I think.
0: Oh, well, yeah, for sure. It's like, but again, if I'm Flitwick or McGonagall, I'm like, I feel like we underperformed here a little bit. (laughs) We could have done better. We could have done better, and we didn't.
1: They they got A's, and Dumbledore just like A (laughs) plus 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 plus. He just completely annihilated. I think Dumbledore just goes
0: up to them and be like, "Okay, you guys do this. I'm gonna do this over (laughs) here, though. That's gonna really be good."
1: It's a fascinating thing. It is. Just look in the mirror, and will you be pure enough of heart to get the stone?
0: So, it's interesting, though, because Harry knows how to work the mirror, obviously, by now. hmm So, and he has that little, like, internal speech to himself about, like, come on, Harry, this is what you really want. This is what your heart really desires. And then he sees himself in the mirror, and that whole process takes place. Right. How much of it, if any, do you think is Harry willing himself to see a certain thing, and how much of it is just purely Dumbledore's bewitching of the mirror?
1: Well, I was wondering about that, too, because the mirror itself, Dumbledore moved it after Harry discovered it. Correct. So part of me wonders if Dumbledore purposely put the protection that he did based on that the knowledge that Harry eventually is going to run into it again. And Harry, out of anybody, would be pure enough of heart to get the stone out of it.
0: I mean, yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously, it's like, he, I think part of it is he did that. Mm-hmm after he saw what Harry would see. uh, Whether you want to say he built it for Harry, or he... or Sorry, he bewitched it for Harry, or he... (laughs) Or did he even know that Harry would be able to get it anyway? I don't know.
1: I mean, I think he would know, just because I think he was so struck by what Harry saw in the mirror for the first time. Because, I mean, like, Ron sees himself as just this amazing, you know, better-than-everyone-else kind of a thing, and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people look in the mirror and what do they want? They want to be rich. They want to be I don't powerful, know, famous, powerful, yeah. like all, all the things. They want to be better than others. And Harry doesn't want to be better. He just wants to be loved and, and see his family in that sense. And I think that would have stuck with Dumbledore, that an 11-year-old has that pure of a heart still despite everything he's gone through. Yes. So I really yeah. wonder if he he got inspired by Harry To then design it that way, or if he did design it purposely for Harry. And I I don't know if there is an answer to that, but one way or the other, it worked out in Harry's favor.
0: I mean, it's a brilliant idea, Mm -hmm. which Dumbledore says himself later. It's like, good job, me.
1: Yeah, it's one of my more brilliant (laughs)
0: ideas, which between you and me says a lot. (laughs) It's a very not-so-humble brag by Dumbledore. (laughs) But it's a brilliant idea
1: Uh
0: uh, to have someone who can find the stone who just wants to find it but not use it right brilliant piece because it'd be so rare yeah if
1: you're going after the stone breaking past all those obstacles it's either you're trying to steal it or you're right. trying to stop somebody else so i mean it, it makes sense it's, it is but just... also
0: how powerful must dumbledore be to be able to bewitch a magical object of such
1: yeah you're like overriding the code of I the mean, magical that's, program it's
0: a, powerful magical object mm-hmm. that he just kinda of, yeah, like you said, rewrite the code on. That's not simple. <laughs> that is very advanced Mm-mm. skills that need to be had to do that. It's He's
1: if you stop powerful. and think about it,
0: it's just impressive, you know.
1: Yeah. Um there's the, of course the other shock about it being coral. It's not just coral. Guess who's in the back of his head? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, so I guess Harry was maybe half right, in that he was expecting Voldemort to maybe be there.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I mean, he, he, knew, he half, knew Voldemort sort of. was was going to benefit from the stone. He just thought Snape was getting the stone for, for Voldemort. Right. But he's been chilling in the back of Quirrell's head this entire year. Fred which, and George
0: throwing snowballs at him.
1: Yes, the, how many times when you reread it, you're just like, oh my gosh, they're smacking Voldemort in the face. That's <laughs> yeah, hilarious, and. This just opens up such a can of worms for me.
0: This is, I have this in her notes (laughs) that she gave me. This is, if there's any more Elizabeth moment than what she's about to rattle off, (laughs) I don't know. You haven't heard this version of uh, her analysis yet, so please, it's,
1: It's just such a can of worms, okay? So, like, Quirrell's been living with Voldemort in the back of his head. So how does, like, how does Quirrell bathe? Because if he's in the shower or in the bath, clearly Voldemort's going to drown, right? Or if he's sleeping, does he sleep on his face to stop Voldemort from being, like, suffocated in his sleep? Or did Voldemort purposely say, like, I don't want to be facing the pillow. I want to be facing, like, the upside. So, or did he sleep on his side? I don't know. Did he have to feed Voldemort's <laughs> mouth? Like, did he just take a spoon and just go to the back of his head and just be like, "Here comes the train," like that kind oh of a thing? God. Or is it just like he has to eat himself? Or does Voldemort just like is he? Like, I mean, he's like a parasite. So does he just suck substance from coral the way like a parasite does? Or also, when he's wearing the turban, how does he breathe? Does he breathe? I mean, he said he had these slits, like, he can kind of breathe through. So I'm assuming he can breathe. So clearly he's breathing in, like, turban. And everyone complains about wearing masks. Voldemort had to wear a turban for a year. <laughs> Calm down about your mask. Okay? And then, too, like, if he's in the back of Coral's head... Can he read Coral's mind from the back of the head? Are their brains, like, connected in that sense? And, like, could he just talk to him through his brain? Did he have to talk out loud in order for Coral to understand? And then if Quirrell is attached to Voldemort's brain, can he see all of Quirrell's, of of Voldemort's memories? Or is Voldemort purposely, like sheltering his memories, blocking them from Coral all year. In which case, that takes a lot of energy. And I don't know how he had all that energy to do that when he's barely like a a wisp of existence. There's a lot to think about.
0: You all just (laughs) got a window into the brain of
1: Elizabeth.
0: (laughs) And I'm going to try my best to decipher (laughs) all that.
1: So <laughs> I just want to know, like you know how you said you wanted to, all those little extra scenes of just like yeah. I want to see a you day a in the life of
0: Coral. I want
1: a day in the life of Coral of him, like <laughs> almost just imagine like little like like movie music just playing he gets up in the morning and he, he wakes up and Voldemort's just awesome. brushes his teeth he drinks, brushes his, he drinks, teeth <laughs> he, he drinks his coffee uh, and Voldemort's on the other side and, and just like burps or something and then he puts on the turban and, and Voldemort's like it's too tight loosen it up a little bit so I can breathe or something like All it's right. just like a buddy cop kind of a thing uh, a that's, movie. that's
0: awesome that is awesome
1: that's what I want to see
0: Um, I'm going to try as best as I can to respond to that with any sort of logic. You don't
1: have to respond. It's okay. It's just Um, what I noticed and I wanted everybody else to also notice. Well,
0: everybody's going to hear it. Um, no. Uh. so Voldy is not alive nor dead, right? He's like, like you just called it a wisp of existence.
1: Yeah. It's his basic, basic, basic form.
0: So I don't know that he necessarily needs to eat, drink, or. Breathe, even he's like.
1: I know he gets the substance, subsidence from like the world drinks blood. it, right for him though, right.
0: So it's like he's also, like you said, a parasite. So yeah. he like is living via. But even Quirle.
1: parasites have to have like, you know, basic. Yeah. Functioning, I guess. Yeah. I it's- mean, if it was just eyes in the back of his head, then I could be like, okay, it's just eyes. But the fact that they talked about like the slits of his nose and like he can somehow talk, right? His voice doesn't come through Quirrell's mouth, it comes through the back of his head. Yeah. It's just a fascinating thing. And I always think about the video game. I mean, granted it was like I don't know, early two thousands, so the graphics were not great, but I always just picture when Quirrell turns around and then there's the turban is gone and then mm-hmm. there's Voldemort's head and it just it's just it's comical. In the, those games.
0: Or, like, the, the movie that has, like, the literal face of Voldy, like, right on the back of his head. It, it's, it's just it's,
1: such a weird thing to it, picture. And it is a
0: weird thing to picture. <laughs> but it's... I it, it still, I guess, shows how strong Voldy is in that he can actually still possess someone, even though he's barely existing himself.
1: Yes. And, and two, he has the power still to tell if somebody's lying to him or not.
0: hmm So there's still a shred of his being, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh Enough so that he can still use some of his abilities.
1: Yeah. And of course, we defeat Quirrell slash Voldemort by touch.
0: I'd like to say Voldy's a little polite here <laughs> in that he lets Quirrell try to figure this thing out. <laughs> and Quirrell can't figure it out, and then he's like... Just use the boy.
1: Well, I mean, Dumbledore <laughs> says later, like, clearly Voldemort doesn't care about the people he possesses. Oh, 100, yeah. Because he's just kind of like, yeah, keep doing it. Keep letting him grab you and, and feel your skin fizzle under his touch. He doesn't care.
0: Which, that, again, is like, and, and maybe volley can't necessarily tell exactly what's,
1: what's going on happening to Quirrell. Mm-hmm.
0: But you think either one of them would be smart enough to be like, let me back up off here real quick and just use magic <laughs> to do yes. what I need to do. Yeah. Like, you don't I mean, need to physically... If
1: you're a parasite and you realize your host is dying, that's a problem for you. Yeah. Which does make me wonder how Voldemort escaped from there. It makes
0: me wonder how he escaped without possessing someone else within Hogwarts. I wonder think if there was, would. like,
1: a rat or a snake or something that he just happened to jump to.
0: But I think he also needs someone that's more, um, morally questionable? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's willing to be maybe bent towards his will mm-hmm. a little bit more?
1: Well, I guess he's had a year's worth of unicorn blood, so maybe that's enough to just keep him going. And if he just possesses other animals or something until the next human being comes along that is like that. But it, it just does make you wonder, like, if, if Dumbledore did... Like, come down to save Harry, and and Quirrell's dying somewhere in there, Voldemort slipped away. And you would think that they could have got him in that state.
0: And maybe that's why... Or maybe he's
1: invisible at that state. I don't know if it's just, like, a wisp of a...
0: uh, Maybe he just wanted to get out of there before Dumbledore officially got back, so he wasn't... I don't know. But yeah, we, we go back to, I think, one of our first couple of episodes with the whole, like... But... Quirrell can't touch Harry, right? And they shake hands.
1: Yeah, we've been talking about this for the entire book. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, So I guess the answer is that Quirrell was not possessed at that time.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, Nor was he trying to harm Harry at that time either. Mm -hmm. Um, Which also means that (laughs) Quirrell was able to break into Gringotts and break out of Gringotts.
1: All by himself.
0: All by himself, which is really
1: really impressive yeah given
0: the whole um, uh warning that they give yes. because, like it's yeah. impressive yeah um so uh tip of the hat to quarrel because i think most people seven books later might forget like hey this guy was capable
1: he's intimidating in this chapter i think part mm-hmm. of it too is like like he feeds into harry's shock that it's not snape He's like, yeah, I know. Snape made himself seem like the villain this whole time. It was very convenient for me. And he does reveal to Harry for the first time that, you know, your father and Snape, they knew each other. And they hated each <sighs> other. And he's just like, When how did I not know that? Also, that makes so much more sense as to why Snape hates my guts. And it, there's just this, this overload of information that Harry has okay. to take in at this point.
0: Be honest. When you first read this, or when you even read this now, um, but when you first read this, and Quirrell's telling Harry all of this like background and mm-hmm. going back to other parts of the book, specifically the Quidditch match where he tries to kill Harry, throw him off the broom. Right. Did you f- go back to that chapter and reread that chapter when Quirrell tells you that, and I reread it with a different did. context in your
1: head? Probably did the first time.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know I did a hundred percent. Because
1: you're right. Like, I mean. It is a subtle detail that she hides in there, which she does so well throughout the entire book. But, yeah, like, you know, Hermione is so focused on Snape, she doesn't even apologize to Coral as she bumps into him and totally throws him off. And that is when Harry is able to regain control of the broom.
0: If you're reading this for the first time, or you can remember your first time reading it, did you also go back to that chapter and reread it with a different context? Because I, I know I did. I know I had to.
1: <laughs> you definitely notice it with every every read after that. Oh, time. for sure, yeah. Yeah. This chapter is very segmented, I think, which of course makes sense because Harry blocks out. But that was all pretty much the first chunk of the chapter. Mm-hmm. The second chap the second chunk is all in the hospital wing. And it brings us to my favorite moments of the whole series, the conversations between Harry and Dumbledore, mm. because they always have the best quotes in them, and those quotes usually come from Dumbledore. Yes, with his wisdom. Um, but we start off; he's you know just waking up, doesn't realize how much time has gone by. He sees all the the favors from his admirers, including Fred and George's toilet seat. Great callback! I love that. Well,
0: Pomfrey said it was not she sanitary. She it. Yes, but they
1: tried, and that's a thought that counts.
0: It is a thought that counts, absolutely.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so here he immediately wants to know about the stone. Tell, like, I've been focusing on the stone for months now. That was why I went down and risked my life. Tell me, tell me, tell me what happened to it. And Dumbledore just says how you know it, it's being destroyed, and he finds that so shocking. That anyone would be willing to destroy such a powerful object. And Dumbledore kind of kind of grins at that. And he's like, you know, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. And yes, my friend Nicholas Flamel, he is going to die. But it's a happy thing. It's a good thing. And I love that quote so much. Like, I'm a pretty morbid person, and this is... I said this is like my flavor of morbid, <laughs> because it's just it's looking at death as a beautiful thing and something to be celebrated and, and an adventure that everybody will go through at one point or another. And for Nicholas Fumel and his wife, it's that time for that adventure. And I love that that sentiment. And for Harry being so young, he, he doesn't necessarily understand that. Like, how could anyone choose death over life?
0: And Harry's the more introspective with those oh, line yeah. of thoughts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Dumbledore had another great quote that I. He's loved. had
0: several in this chapter. I
1: love it. He says, "The truth it is a beautiful and terrible thing, and should therefore be treated with great caution." And there's so much to that quote. There. I mean, we've talked before, and you've talked with I think every single guest how Dumbledore is so reserved with information mm-hmm. and he reveals it when he deems it necessary. Specifically here. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Because
0: Harry starts to question him. He's like, I have some questions.
1: And the very first question, out of all the questions, why did Voldemort try to kill me as a child?
0: Which he's more, more than worthy to hear this answer. Like, yes. he deserves that answer.
1: That does bring me to a question. Like, do you think he should have told him this right now? Because Dumbledore says, "I have an answer, but I'm not going to give it to you today. You will know eventually, but just not today. It's not time yet."
0: I understand Dumbledore wanting to withhold that information. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, but Harry has a right to that knowledge, though. Mm-hmm. Like he has a right to know, whether it's at 11 or 17 or whenever or anywhere in between. Yeah, yeah, it's he has a right to that information.
1: I will actually say no. He shouldn't tell him right okay. now. And I was trying to think about it because I I did pose the question myself. I was like, mm, I don't know, because I was, I was thinking very much that too. And I think that Dumbledore at least recognizes now that Harry has just gone through such a huge thing. And this was like first step of a much, much longer journey. And after step one, maybe isn't the time to reveal, here's what the end game is.
0: Can I pose an additional question to you? Okay. That I think Dumbledore might not be willing to answer this question. Because while well, he knows maybe the answer to it, he doesn't know enough about that answer. You
1: what that reminds me of? Hmm. Gandalf. In Lord of the Rings, where he goes off to, like, do all his years of research about the ring, and is, is this exactly the ring that I think it is? Because I highly suspect that it's the ring, but is it the ring? And if so, what does that mean? And I think Dumbledore is, is like Gandalf in this, is like, I gotta do some research, I don't want to say anything and then be wrong, because that would be a big yeah,
0: he's mistake got, to make. He's gotta be, uh, he's gotta be 100%, 100% right. Right. And he's pretty sure and his educated guesses are usually pretty good right but he's not 100 percent sure on a lot of what surrounds that answer that harry wants
1: right so i think that's kind of why i'd vote for now no he shouldn't try to reveal that information but he does reveal a little bit he says how you know voldemort he um by trying to kill you he accidentally created this protection of love, which he said, Voldemort does not understand the power of love. Um, and because of that, he will always underestimate it. And he said how, you know, Lily, she she died to save you, and that's that's a powerful magic. Um, but of course, like, you know, it doesn't leave the scar. Like, that's not necessarily why you have that on your forehead. But it is a powerful magic that Voldemort will never ever be able to fully comprehend
0: it's uh, dumbledore says a lot of great things (laughs) (laughs) um and he lays out a lot for this is coming at the end of book one
1: yeah it's enough to satisfy the reader satisfy harry but also be like well what else does he know
0: well not just that but it's like In the grand scheme of things, we have seven books in the series. Mm -hmm. We're finishing one. So this is essentially the jumping off point. And Dumbledore is laying out, like, such a thesis, almost. Yeah. (laughs) For, for like, how this is all going to go. Yeah. And he's just doing it in this philosophical way that's way above Harry's head.
1: Which I think the first time you read this, maybe that as his first question to ask is a little, like, that's your first question? Not, like... How did you save me, or, or, you know, like I, I don't know. Some, what was that? What, what was that? Was what that? just happened to me? Like, but I think like Dumbledore is is struck a little by the fact that that yeah. is the first question, and I think readers like when when I mean you probably remember when we were waiting for the books to come out still, and I would comb through the previous books trying to find hints about what oh, was sure. to come. And this was one of those places of, of hints to come. And of course we're not going to get into that because it's not the non-spoilers, but it's definitely revealing that J.K. Rowling has a much, much more detailed plan laid out in store for us, so you should stick around for the upcoming books. For sure.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I we can get into some of the other dumbledore quotes and the spoilers we got to leave something for the spoilers mm-hmm. um but, but hagrid's gift
1: it's so sweet and so thoughtful it's the perfect gift it is and it amazes me that no one has thought to give him any pictures of his parents prior to this you know like i mean i would think that when Harry rejoins the Wizarding world, he almost sees like a little welcome basket of, of like, here's all the things, like here here's the welcome wagon, here's the people your parents knew, here's the memories they had of them, and and just so you don't feel so alone. But it's not till the very end when he sees these pictures and he can see his family. And, and Dumbledore knows, I mean, you don't have the mirror to look through anymore. You just have your dreams. But here's some tangible evidence that your parents once existed. And that's so beautiful.
0: It's I, I can't think of a better gift that Harry could have yeah. received.
1: Yeah.
0: Um It's such a great moment in the book.
1: Yeah. Um Another great moment is the feast at the end. Which has become a meme in itself.
0: Oh, it's and uh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a very Disney ending to the whole thing.
1: <laughs> that's so true it's such a disney ending
0: um it almost
1: bugs me a little bit because really? it's such a disney-esque ending i mean um, yeah i could see that but definitely if you were a slytherin you're like what the heck not cool we won this and then here dumblore comes in with the the 60 and the 50 and the 50 and the 10 points
0: first of all okay here's the thing about the points
1: his math was
0: on point. Well, of course. I'm <laughs> sitting there thinking of Dumbledore just writing on his napkin, like, just math. <laughs> How
1: many points did yeah, he need right. to be won over?
0: <laughs> but I'm thinking about these points. And, you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione getting the points that they get right, for the bravery and the courage and luck that they had to get through everything that they did is great. Except Neville who is widely acknowledged to do possibly the toughest thing of stand up to one's friends, I think it's 10 points for that. He <laughs> gets like, if that's the toughest thing, shouldn't you get a little bit more of a bump? I
1: but. think it's interesting. Um, okay, so Ron's, it's for the best played game of chess Hogwarts has seen in many years. I or Gryffindor House, 50 points. Mm-hmm. One that makes me wonder, how many games of Wizarding Chess are we watching to know that this is the best right, one? right. Hermione's, I know the movie changes it, but Hermione's is for the use of cool logic in the face of fire, I award Gryffindor House 50 points, which I think is, is pretty awesome because, I mean, yeah, she got past Snape's thing. You know, I know the movie tries to change it to the devil snare, right, the fact that she lit the fire there. How annoyed
0: do you think Snape is?
1: That she got past it? Oh, my gosh.
0: This know-it-all? Yes. Really?
1: Oh, yeah. Never going to hear the end of it. That is such a good point. Yeah. And Harry, for pure nerve, outstanding courage. But you're right. And then it's a different kind of courage. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. I therefore award 10 points to Neville Longbottom. And I said Neville has, like, never won a point before. Yeah. Which is so sad.
0: Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. It is, yeah. That's... (laughs) But I think he deserves more than the 10 points. I would I,
1: agree. Yeah. i he earned that. I, but, I know, think whatever. this is purely Neville is, Dumbledore just trolling the Neville Silverance. in points.
0: I believe he's gotten just royally screwed over on a couple of these. Because he got more points than he should have when he got in trouble sneaking out. Yeah. And he got less points than he deserved. <laughs> but he got rewarded. It's like, man, Neville, it's it's tough to be a long bottom. I it's would tough. love
1: to see I'm sure it's somewhere on like in the internet somewhere, but just a calculation of how many points oh, each sure character there, yeah. won or lost mm-hmm. over the course of the series. <laughs> but yeah, poor Slytherin, they they lost Gryffindor one and that is such a good feeling. And he said, it's almost better than winning Quidditch or the Christmas or knocking out the Mountain Trolls. You'll never forget tonight.
0: I liked how Dumbledore just, again, just snap the fingers, clap of the hands, and everything just changes over. Yeah. Such cool magic. It's... And you
1: can just totally, like, hear in his brain just like, I hey, 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 eh. <laughs> got you guys.
0: <laughs> I like the handshake that Snape and McGonagall share, or mm-hmm. the, the little, like...
1: He's got his little forced smile, and she's just probably like, oh, told you we'd win. Which for McGonagall, that must be so satisfying, especially since she's the one who took 150 points from her own house.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's Snape going to do? Like, oh, yeah. this is you getting points to your yeah, like, like, no, Yeah, nope. I didn't show
1: favoritism <laughs> the way you showed favoritism, so sucks to suck.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to stop the non-spoiler here. And we'll actually head into the spoilers after a short break. Yeah.
1: in the dungeon! Turn around in the dungeon!
0: Alright, so we are back with the spoiler section of the last chapter of book one. The Man with Two Faces. What'd you want to start with?
1: Uh, the scar pain. Harry has never experienced that pain before.
0: I don't think to that level. I think he's had like maybe a prickle
1: of it. Yeah, just like but never like to a like tinge. like
0: searing pain. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean this this was like blinding white yep. light kind yep. of a thing. And of course we know he gets used to that over the course of the series, and he gains knowledge as to what that means. But this is the first time he's ever experienced it, and I wonder too how much Voldemort. If Voldemort experiences anything at that point, like I mean, he doesn't have a scar, obviously, but if if he also feels some connection at that point, or if it's just more later that he comes aware,
0: I think it's more later. I, I, think, I think so think too. Well but I,
1: I just wonder if, as as a first time, if there's any other shock felt the opposite way. But for Harry, this is this is a lot, and we um, you know some of that is because of that blood protection. Right, that's why Quirrell is being destroyed because Voldemort mm-hmm. cannot stand the touch of, of Lily's protection, which is knowledge that he uses in Goblet of Fire against Harry, which we've talked about before, too. Right. Um,
0: Voldy is not hmm. a dumb guy, like, no. he learns and he learns from mistakes and he doesn't make that mistake which twice, which is
1: a sign of a good villain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many villains in various shows and stuff like that you always get. They're, they're, they make the same mistakes, and then yeah. it's just like that defeats them. But no, you're right that Voldemort, he grows as a villain throughout every single book. I mean, he does start like as a wisp, and then he
0: might be a step behind Dumbledore, but he's not far. Mm-hmm. And he eventually like catches up to the line of thinking of like, oh, this is where we're going with this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the other thing that I pointed out, which you made fun of me when you saw it on my notes, but in Goblet of Fire, when Harry is dueling Voldemort and their wands have met and the reverse spells are coming out. It has James... Yes. It has James coming out of the wand before Lily. He says, your mother wants to see you like hold on just a little bit longer.
0: You're talking about the book version. The book, Goblet of Fire?
1: Yes. Okay. Is the movie different than that? Uh,
0: I... think they come out together. Maybe.
1: Ugh. Maybe. I'd have to re-watch
0: the movie. It's been a minute.
1: <laughs> um... I obviously this is wrong. This is the opposite order. James died first, then Lily, so Lily should have come out of the wand first, and then James. But this is obviously just J.K. Rowling's plot device of trying to add to the moment because your mother wants to see you as, as strong for for Harry. Um. But yeah, I was just It'd
0: be interesting to go back to seven and go through like, um. I think in 7, they almost recreate the steps through Snape's memories. Mm-hmm. And James would be the first one there, too. To die? Yeah. Um. Lily has to be the last one, because oh, she's I, I defending don't, It her. wasn't in,
1: in Snape's memories. It was when... I know what scene you're thinking of, where, where we see Voldemort as he's going to go kill them. Yeah. And he goes and he sees from the outside looking and yeah. he sees James walking around and, and then he goes and kills James and then he kills.
0: Well, Lily obviously Lily. has to be the last one because right. she's the one that's there. Right.
1: I only bring it up is because we know from this chapter they said how, you know, your your father died and then, then your mother died. And it's just, it always makes me kind of chuckle because it's like, oh. she flips it later on, but that's a purposeful device kind of a thing. Um, but more, more love for the Dumbledore-Harry scenes. Um, we know how Dumbledore tells Harry, fear of the name increases fear of the thing itself. So, yes, call him Voldemort. I don't care what I love the that. Wizarding World says, call him Voldemort. Love that moment. Which the Death Eaters later use to their advantage. But in the meantime, it does give him strength, I think. to, And I think it, it kind of like... It gives it him... It reaffirms
0: a lot for him. Yeah, hopefully.
1: it's like, okay, yeah. this this is the man who destroyed my life. I'm not going to be afraid of saying his name. I'm not going to give him that satisfaction the way everyone else does. Then
0: he does the same thing with Hagrid later, because Hagrid comes in gives yeah, him the book, and, yeah. he, and Hagrid yells at him for using the name. He's
1: like, no, nope, I met the guy. That's what I'm going to call him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then with the whole... The question, right? Why would Voldemort want to kill me in the first place? hmm Because of the prophecy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, we know so much about the prophecy, and Dumbledore knows at this point the prophecy is unfulfilled.
0: Yeah. Um, there's still some question marks, I think, Dumbledore has in this whole process. Like, mm-hmm. A, how did... Voldy still exist. Mm
1: -hmm. Which, of course, leads to then Horcruxes. Eventually, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, I don't think... I'm not sure to what degree Dumbledore was aware of the manner of how Harry survived.
1: Right. He just Um, knows one can't live while the other survives. And they're both alive still.
0: Yeah, it's... This one, I think, is more like... He's trying to piece some things together himself to make all the pieces fit. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, and then I think that's why he doesn't feel comfortable answering that question. Right, and it's
1: very—it reminds me, well, it's, like, it's experimental. What is the
0: problem of telling him it's a prophecy? Like, who cares at that point? It's just a prophecy. You could end it there too. Well, you don't to have be to go fair, into like.
1: We know Harry is a very curious person, well, that's true. and he that's cannot. True. Be satisfied with the knowledge that there's. I mean, he would probably go after, ask Hermione, like, "How do we find prophecies? Do some research. <laughs> She'd probably find it."
0: <laughs> yeah, and obviously they'd try to deduce the prophecy and like what it means and where where they what they do later on in right. the books. But
1: he does like with um, like I mean, of course, with the prophecy. You don't even have to tell him
0: it's a prophecy. You can just you you know, Dumbledore. He likes to. Choose his words wisely, he could say it without saying it. He can, you know, he finagles things all the time. He
1: could just be like, Well, one day you're gonna die, <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be okay because you know, XYZ. So, um, there's stuff about the blood protection that Dumbledore does reveal, but there's, of course, a lot that he doesn't mm-hmm. like, he doesn't explain to Harry that this is why you have to go back to your aunt's house. Every summer, I know it sucks, but I, I purposely had you grow up there because of the protection that your aunt provides. Right. Um, and it, it does, like, the knowledge that this protection that Lily gave by sacrificing her love, we know later on that that is why Harry is able to protect everybody in the Battle of Hogwarts, because he purposely walked to his death at the hands of his enemy and gave that protection and granted I don't think at this point Dumbledore's thinking that far ahead I think it's just kind of like okay this is that was like a trial run and later on when he is making his grand plots and schemes um and just thinking about okay how will this be the most successful after I'm gone I think he can use this as as an example of, of you know he has to lay down his life and and there's a point in, in um, Order of the Phoenix when he's so adamantly telling Harry how like you would want to get revenge, not necessarily revenge, but like you would want to right the wrong, and he like stresses it so much because I think it's of that moment he wants to make sure that Harry does make that sacrifice in the end so that everyone else can be protected.
0: So you think he's seeding already for a battle down the road it's like hey, like the mirror of said it's like hey this is how this worked
1: i think just so you know i think like you were saying like how he's been paying attention to to the signs that no one else is paying attention to other than maybe like the centaurs and in the forest and he knows mars is getting brighter war is coming <laughs> the prophecy is unfulfilled mars Some, is getting brighter
0: though did you know that
1: it's getting brighter it's unusual but it's bright um that and I, I think he like he's paying attention to the prophecy and he's seeing where other people aren't paying attention. And I, I think he's just being very careful and observant. And this is one of those places where his observations obviously then end up working out for the best and saving a lot of lives. Which I think Harry also he notices with this one quote I wrote down. When um, they were all talking about like, Dumbledore could have gotten you killed. Okay,
0: no. First of all, before you get into this, <laughs> this is the conversation that we've had on this <laughs> podcast so often. And she the,
1: knew we were going to be talking about and it,
0: and the trio has the very same conversation.
1: Yeah, um, Ron was pretty much just like, he's oh, nuts. He's, he's, he's absolutely a crazy insane. Guy. And Hermione's like, how dare he have tried to kill you? Yeah, you could have died.
0: So, to be fair, Ron and Hermione have generally taken the me and you, <laughs> or at least very much me, very much you, uh, spot of like, he's playing a really dangerous game here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, there's a lot of questionable things that Dumbledore has done.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Harry he says, you know, he's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here, you know? I reckon he had a pretty good idea we were going to try. And instead of stopping us, he just taught us enough to help. I don't think it was an accident he let me find out how the mirror worked. It's almost like he thought I had the right to face Baltimore if I could. And it's that last little sentence there that's just like, Harry understands so much about Dumbledore, just in that moment, and that, that one quote, which maybe Ron and Hermione don't see as much because they are thinking the logical Well, of, you could have died. But it is like, he wanted me to try, and I think he wanted me to succeed and to realize I'm capable of it. And that's pretty cool.
0: So here's the thing. With that quote, I agree with Harry on two points. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here.
1: Oh hundred percent.
0: Hundred percent yes. You
1: would be amazed how much like teachers end up knowing yes. about everything that's going on around them.
0: He has his finger on the pulse <laughs> of what is going on around forget just Hogwarts. He has his finger on the pulse yeah. of everything going on. In the Pretty
1: much everywhere.
0: <laughs> Ministry of Magic's realm here in in London and the greater UK area. And he's
1: got the hog's head to give him the, he's, the gossip too. And... And
0: McGonagall says at some point in the last chapter, I believe, about how he's a great wizard. He has many demands on his time. Yeah. He's clued in.
1: Yeah.
0: He knows what's going down everywhere. Yeah. Um, so to think that he doesn't is naïve. I, I, he knows.
1: And I, I think the fact that Harry recognizes that really shows just, like... I mean, that's insightful for a student. Because, I mean, I, when I was a student, I don't think I was really thinking about my teachers discussing my friendships or or what they've noticed about them. But we totally do. We notice a whole lot of stuff about the kids, and we hear a lot of things that they don't think we hear, because they think we're not paying attention. But Dumbledore's hearing here everything.
0: Here's what I think he said, that he's not wrong... But I think he may... Maybe he misinterprets, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But the le, the last line, like you brought up, it's almost like he thought I had a right to face Voldemort if I could.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I think Dumbledore does want to give him that chance. Yeah. I don't know if he wanted that to be...
1: Right away. <laughs> right away. I don't think <laughs> that's right out that. of the gate. I'd agree with that. But
0: two, a two on that is why I... And I've said it before on the podcast. It's like, Dumbledore had an idea of what saved Harry. And mm-hmm. he might not have been 100% sure. But he had a pretty educated guess. And it's a pretty strong, pretty rare form of magic that Voldy would not be aware of.
1: And then letting him go through this stuff does and kind of his putting experiments. Him, yeah, yeah, kind
0: of putting him in a firing range and be like, well, if this is the case, he should be okay here. Yeah. He won't be harmed because of this. Yeah. That's a dangerous game to play because either a you're wrong or b he could get killed by something completely <laughs> have, different
1: have you seen those memes that are like after harry discovers the prophecy that he goes to do stupid things and hermione yells at them and he's just like well hermione the prophecies i can't says i can't die like this so i could totally jump off the roof <laughs> it's no right. big deal. like it just kind of reminds me of that but yeah like he's definitely kind of testing the waters of
0: and that doesn't stop Hermione or Ron from getting hurt, or, right? or somebody else from getting hurt. <laughs> but but you can kind of see where Dumbledore's line of thinking might be if he's like, okay, if this is it, Harry can't die here.
1: Yeah. Or
0: at least from this. Yeah. Devil's Snare could definitely kill him, <laughs> but forget that part. <laughs> Quirrell and Voldy can't kill him. Right. So if he gets to that point, we're good,
1: right? We're good. It's fine it's just so fascinating that, that like it like we said like so much of the rest of the series is set up in this first book this last chapter mm-hmm. um, yeah i i i don't know it, it just it shows just like how the book itself it all wraps up very nicely and of course you feel satisfied when you're done with it but in terms of the series like we're just getting started this is just the exposition of of the story map but like, there's so much more to come
0: yeah yeah, it, it's an exciting jumping-off point. Yeah. For, for sure.
1: So overall, how do you feel about the first adventure of Harry Potter's first year of school? <laughs> uh,
0: reading this book again, and uh, you know, I've said it before that I'm reading it in a different way than I ever have before because of this podcast. And you you haven't
1: read it in a long time, right? Uh,
0: the last time I read this book was probably probably seven years ago, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while
1: for me. It was a few months ago.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So it, I've read this book multiple times. Don't get me wrong. It's just right. the last time I did was a while ago.
1: And you change, even if the book doesn't. So you notice sure. new things with each I, read.
0: I notice new things and I'm surprised by even the same things each and every time I read it. Cause <laughs> it just amazes me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that she put things in there. um, But going through this read and kind of, uh, and the beautiful thing about this podcast, I think, is I'm not just doing this on my own. I'm talking with a bunch of different guests about how we might notice the same things in a chapter,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but we have different thoughts on the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's been fun.
0: It's, it's been cool to kind of get those different perspectives and, you know, I've heard a bunch of people like to disagree with me. And that's so cool. And that's great. <laughs> and I'm, I love it because, you know, I'm here to kind of get my own thoughts out of this. Cause I noticed like Dumbledore. I've been harsh on Dumbledore this entire first book because I'm like, guy is playing a very dangerous game. <laughs> and, you know, if he's off even a little bit, things can go drastically wrong. Yeah. Um, I've defended Ron more than I think I've ever done. I've defended Neville and Neville's reshaped what I think a Gryffindor is mm-hmm. because of this read in uh for this podcast. And it's been cool and to, you know, hear a bunch of different people's takes on the Mirror of Erised. We've had multiple discussions on the Mirror of Erised, which I never would have thought of prior to this, and it's cool to hear those takes. Yeah. So And not, you know, put you on front street here or anything, but um, some of the takes you've had on this podcast have been great, and I think you've shown a light on some things that people don't think of. (laughs) Uh,
1: You're making fun of my my Coral and Voldemort observations.
0: You just let a lot of people in to your (laughs) way of thinking on that. But no, I'll I'll give you one example. The, The... one example that I've talked to a lot of people about recently was your dragon comment in um, the Forbidden Forest chapter. Mm. Whereas, uh, I think it was the Forbidden Forest chapter, where it was like, you've had Norbert as a young dragon and then the middle-aged dragon in Mommy Goblet dragon. of
1: dragon.
0: Yeah, yeah. In, in Goblet of Fire, and then the aging dragon. Never, ever crossed my mind at any point in time.
1: Well, that's such a fun thing about... I mean, literature in general. I mean, like, in case you don't remember, I'm an English teacher. And I love having these kinds of discussions with the stories I read with my classes. Because there are the different interpretations. And even after teaching the same stories, you know, for 10 years now, there are still moments when the kids bring up comments that crack me up. Mm Because I never thought of things like that. Or or they phrase it in a new way. Or as time goes by and, and the kids become you know, slightly different based on the things going on in the world or with technology and stuff, but they notice different things too. So that's always really fun. And I think that's part of why this podcast is so fun. Cause you're right. Like we don't, I mean, Harry Potter is part of our, our, our identity as millennials, I guess, which I know there are opinions about that, but like, it's fun to finally get to really talk about it in a mature way Which we didn't have when we were growing up reading it and growing with Harry. So that's fun.
0: I've talked about Harry Potter a lot in my life. But Mm -hmm. I don't think I've talked about it as in depth
1: as I have. Which is so great.
0: And talking about the different themes and um, everything that this... And this is book one. (laughs) Which is nuts because this book, uh, the series obviously gets deeper and darker and more complex as it goes on. Right. Um, it's kind of exciting. It does make
1: me look forward to the the upcoming chapters. I know, right? (laughs) For me, I guess, like, highlights of this book, for sure. Um, The Mirror Mm -hmm. always stands out to me, because I always want to think, what would I see? And as we've discussed, like, obviously, with Dumbledore, how what he wanted changed over the course of his life. So, like, what would that be for me Mm -hmm. now? And I also wonder, like, what I would have seen when I was 11, I wonder if what I would have seen back then that now, like, like my 11 year old self would be proud of like who I've become, which is kind of, kind of a nice thought. And then the cloak always sticks out to me because I mean, who hasn't at one point or the other wished that they were invisible, if not to like escape from people, but maybe to like observe what's going on around. And you always have like, you know, movies and stuff when people like, you're invisible or hidden, and then you hear people talking about you, that kind of thing. But for me, it would just be so interesting to to be able to walk around freely and just completely observe everything without anyone noticing and, and just see, like, what that's like, you Without know? having
0: to worry about, like, people reacting to your reaction?
1: Yes! Like, <laughs> like... I, I just think that'd be so cool. And, 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 I don't know, like, maybe it's just, like, the the artist or the poet in me or something I I just think it'd be fascinating to look at the people around me as characters and observe them in their element without me there I don't know and then the houses the houses I mean how can you read this without sorting yourself there's so much self reflection that has to occur when you read the sorting
0: well and I'm proud that we've talked about in terms of the houses that The idea of you can only be in Gryffindor if you're this is wrong. Or you can't be in Ravenclaw because you're this. It's absurd. You're always a mix of different things. I love how
1: she has the hat stalls. I think that's the perfect um, solution to that argument of, well, nobody is this, this, or this. You know, like, nobody's pure good pure evil pure it's whatever. always a little gray area yeah and i think I, I i think that by writing into the story the idea of there being a house doll that was the perfect solution to acknowledging that yeah people are bits and pieces of other houses people are complicated they are complicated <laughs> human beings right and and, yeah. and i think it's just kind of fun to reflect upon yourself and think okay well if i'm honest with myself with myself where would i be and why are these the qualities that stand out the most to me? Why are these the things that I value the most? And what does that say about me? And how would I react to things in maybe the same way that Harry does, or maybe differently than Harry would? And I just, I just think it's it's a cool identity kind of a thing. Which I know, as millennials, again, we grew up with the books, so we are shaped by that. So everybody knows their house. And I will admit, sometimes when I look at my students, I'll sort them because I'm like, I can tell you would be in in this house or, or this house. But I don't know, I, I just think it, it's a fun little, it's a fun little identity thing to think about.
0: This book gives you, you know, it, it gets, I think we talked about this too earlier in the episodes of like, this book gets a, a up, uh, not a bad rap, but it gets a stigma of being a young adults, kid book. Right. But I think we've proven that there are some bigger themes, some more adult themes buried in maybe some more childlike storytelling. There's a lot
1: of depth to it, yeah. Yeah. I think, I will say, like, for me rereading, because obviously I reread it a lot. I try every year. Um, I do tend to rush through this one more than the others, and I guess that's, one, because it's so short and... Two, I mean, it takes over 100 pages just to get to Hogwarts. And I'm like, I know what a wizard is. I know what this means. Like, let's just go. Come on, come on, come on. But you're right. Like, it it, as your first time, like, maybe if you've only watched the movies, it feels slow. But everything goes so quickly. There's not a lot of filler chapters. Like you said before, like, the months get skipped over. And suddenly we're we're in Halloween. Now it's Christmas. And (laughs) this this, is this. And it's just... I don't know. Like, it, it is simple and straightforward. There are some
0: chapters that I go back to. Like, the Diagon Alley chapter I go back to because it's such a introduction to magic. It's so vivid, too. The description. Uh, the journey to platform nine and three quarters I go back to because that's where the trio really, like, meets. Yeah. And Harry and Ron's friendship really forms. Like, there are th- some things to go back to and be like, wow, this moment is so incredibly important. Yeah. And it's cool. It's not just like important, but it's also like a really good, interesting read. Versus like maybe some of the like earlier chapters where yeah, it takes forever for him to like just get a letter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or
0: like yeah. It, that, those are a little bit more of a shout out to Anna for doing those chapters. Those um,
1: <laughs> those early yeah the, Dursley
0: yeah chapters. <laughs> yeah the Dursley chapters are always interesting, but um
1: I do yeah. like um how this the book ends. With the sense of, I'm going to mess with Dudley so much this summer. He finally gets the chance to... It's a to... very
0: interesting bookend of like...
1: It's it's yeah. an optimistic thing considering he's now going to the despair of the muggle world and the knowledge that like everything that I just experienced was almost like a dream. And it was such a good dream, even if there were nightmarish elements. And I can't wait to mess with my cousin. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. It's a good place to end it.
0: And that's where we'll end our <laughs> Guys, this is the end of book one, but we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up, com- coming forward. Uh, we just did some new intro, which is very exciting it for us. It sounds
1: super cool. I got a preview.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really cool. We're very excited for it for book two, um, which will start in a week or two. We might have an in-between episode that uh, we're still trying to figure out, but um, might be some trivia it might be getting some different thoughts uh, from a couple of different people. So uh, we'll see. But um, stay on board for that. We also are debuting the Instagram for the podcast uh, very shortly. So be on the lookout for that. Um, What's the
1: handle for
0: that? Uh, it's going to be at Hogwartsapod. So we're going to keep it uh, consistent with Good our Twitter know. and our Instagram. So Good to know. check us out at Hogwartsapod. Please follow us for any updates and things like that. Uh, for me, you can find me personally at Daniel underscore Allen forty four on Twitter.
1: And if you did read along with us, tell us your thoughts of the book Please overall. Please do.
0: Let us know. Let us how much you disagree with me. I am all for it. <laughs> all for it. Uh, the the ladies on our podcast have generally had very similar thoughts, which have been against mine, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> You'll hear from all of them again. They'll all be on again. So, (laughs) Anyway, thank you again for listening. Uh, Join us for book two when we kind of have a little upgraded version of the podcast. It'll be very exciting. Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) Can't wait. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast.